You're listening to a Bible lesson taught in the youth group at Trinity Baptist Church. We hope this Bible lesson will help and encourage you as you seek to live for the Lord. <laughs> this guy is awesome. <laughs> uh, yes, if you, um, if you do need a book, see me. But um, also, I would ask this, and I know, like, working with... Uh, teenagers that I'm probably not going to ask, so I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But hopefully, this week you've sat down at some point, if you have your book or the handout, and looked at your uh, parent and teen questions there, just flip that over and go ahead and answer the hard questions, because they, the, uh, they are the hard ones. Does anybody need a handout this morning that doesn't have one? Oh, my wife's getting there. So we're going to jump into it. The biblical authority, we talked about last week. Last week we talked about how Authority is not a bad thing. So we're going to have to reprogram our whole brain around, as teenagers and parents, as authority is a good thing. It is put in our lives to protect us from things that the devil would harm us. So on the outside is the enemy. The good thing is authority. So as we look at responding to biblical authority today, if we're not careful, and this is for all of us in here, whether we're a parent or, or a young person, rebellion if we're honest, is probably something we all are going to struggle with. And at the front of this, at the starting in it, we have a picture of rebellion in our mind. We have this, uh, I don't know, maybe a, a tatted, pierced-up person, and then we're like, oh, yeah, they're rebellious. But as we look through our passage and the things that we're going to talk about today, we're going to see that it's probably one of the most dangerous things that we're going to work through in our lives. So let's read our passage, and then we'll start in 1 Samuel 15, 22-23. If you have a Bible and you want to turn there, or if you can just read on the screen, if you have that good vision, it says, And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected thee from being king. Now, I did turn my screensaver off this time, so Lord willing, we don't have to worry about that this week. But as we look through this passage, it's a familiar passage, the passage of Saul, when Saul did not kill all the Amalekites. And a lot of times we love to jump on top of all kinds of Bible characters and talk about how horrid and wretched they really are. You hear preachers preach about it all the time. Oh, Saul, outright rebellion. God told him to destroy everything, and he doesn't destroy everything. He keeps the sheep. He keeps the best because Saul is so rebellious. And when we look at it, Saul's rebellion matches ours a lot. Rebellion is just simply me resisting the authority that God has given. So as we look at Saul, and we know the story, Saul goes out to fight the Amalekites. Samuel tells Saul before he leaves, hey, kill every single thing. And now as violent as we may think it is, he says kill every animal. He said kill every woman, man, woman, child. Kill everything of the Amalekites. Leave nothing left. And when you look at as what Saul does, Saul goes and they fight the battle. And they come back, and as they're coming back, you can even see in Saul's mind how Saul believes he has totally obeyed the Lord. You can almost see, like, probably excitement in his face. Like, look, we went out, we had killed all this, but we've brought the best things back. We've got these great sheep. I mean, this would be great for an offering. This is going to be a great situation. We took the best they had. We destroyed the Amalekites. He did save the king. But I can almost see it, and Samuel comes and says, hey, Saul, how did the battle go? How, how did things go? Oh, they went great. Did you kill everything, Saul? 
Yes, yes. We killed, utterly destroyed the Amalekites. You should have been there, Samson. We utterly destroyed them. Then, then what's that noise I hear? What, what's the sheep and the oxen that I hear? Oh, well, we saved those because we could give some great offerings to the Lord with those. Samuel, I mean, it was a beautiful thing. Like all these perfect sheep were walking. It's a great thing. And you can almost see with a smile on his face, like expecting Sam, I mean, Samuel to say, good job, Saul, way to think about that. But instead, Samuel quotes the verse that we often associate with rebellion. And in Saul, trying to do what was right, violated, in his mind, violated clear biblical principles. And God said, in my sight, that's as if you had openly worshipped Satan. That's what God feels about rebellion. So when we start to believe that rebellion is a common thing, that it's just something we all go through, because we like to throw rebellion in the teen camp there and say, well, it's a teenager thing, but I can guarantee us in our lives, probably most of the time, we are in open disobedience to clear Bible teaching. And it's not even that we're trying to go to the deep. Everybody's always trying to go, let's get deeper in the word of God. I think sometimes we just need to get back to doing the basics. If we can just get the basics right of doing what I'm supposed to do in my life. But this is where we're at with rebellion. Rebellion is something so subtle that we can believe. Well, the reason I'm letting, I'm letting this happen in my family is because ultimately I want my kids to turn out this certain way. But if I'm violating clear biblical truth, I'm in rebellion. Well, the reason I'm acting this way, the reason I behave this way as a teenager is because I really desire, ultimately, for this end. When I violate clear biblical truth, I'm in rebellion. And if we're not careful, we will be just like Saul in our lives. Man, God, I'm doing so many great things for you. Oh, yeah, I know that I struggle with this, but everybody struggles with something, God. God, I know that and I'm letting some areas slip, and maybe as a teenager or even as a parent or even me as an individual, I know I'm letting things slip, but you know what? I'm doing so many other good things. And we look at it, we have to be careful in rebellion because it is so deceptive. We'll be right in the middle of it and think that we're the ones that are right and everyone else is who's wrong. So let's jump into our handout. It says this, the wrong response to godly authority. So once again, this whole rebellion thing, we're going back to what is authority and how is it in our lives. So the right response, I mean the wrong, don't say right, the wrong response to godly authority is rebellion. A, rebellion is one of the most dangerous positions in which we can be. Rebellion is one of the most dangerous positions in which we can be. And this is straight from Kerry Schmidt in his book, says, in God's book, deliberately fighting its authority against authorities that he has placed in your life is among the worst things you can do. So, we all have authority in our lives. We talked about last week. Even just in the family. Husbands are supposed to look to God as their leadership. So, husbands have perfect leadership. So, there's nothing we can complain about. We just have to do what God has called us to do. The wife is to submit to her husband. The children are to obey their parents. God has straight, clear, biblical truth of how a family should go. Anytime I desire to go around that authority chain that God has aligned up in anywhere, whether it be government, whether it be uh, a job, where I have authority, one of the most dangerous places I can be is when I try to go along that authority. So 
Remember last week, I gave you guys an illustration of the old school people lined up, walking into battle, the good old red coats walking into battle, and they're getting shot down first. People in authority are fighting the battle, the frontline battle for us. So I need to stand behind the authority God has given. So, letter B. God desires obedience before worship. God desires obedience before worship. Now, as we look at this, this is where we sometimes as parents can make a mistake here. Because sometimes we desire obedience over a relationship with God. Now, we need both. We need both. Both are important. But if I have a young person that obeys but has no relationship with God, as a teenager now, sometimes as a young person, as Shiloh and I'm trying to cultivate a relationship with God, but she's not going to wrap her mind around a, a total relationship with God, but I desire her to be obedient. But as they get up in teen years and you got a 17, 18, 16, 17, 18-year-old kid that's obedient but has no relationship with God, they're not going to go far. They're not going to get anywhere because as soon as the first thing comes up, it's like in Luke where the Bible talks about how that they readily receive the word of God, but as soon as trials come, they quickly fade away. That's exactly what you're having. So God desires obedience before worship. God desires me from the heart to obey him before he desires me to do all these good actions. Because, see, this is sometimes a problem. And I can even, it even happens here in our youth group. We have, as we talked about on Wednesday night in here, good young people. Good. We dress right. We talk right, at least when we're in youth group. We act like we have everything all together because we know all the right things to say. But it comes to the point where we have no relationship with God. Have we prayed this week? Oh, well, you know what? I'm working on that. Have I opened God's word other than just to move it because I was sitting on top of something I needed from church? Oh, you know what? We're working on that. See, God desires obedience to the simple things that he's asked us to do above desiring us to do all these great and grandiose things. And so sometimes... We desire our children to be doing these great things. But God desires us to be obedient to the basic things he wants to do before we start going to all these grandiose things. So God desires obedience before our worship. I'll read you this. This is, um, once again, from Carrie Schmidt. It says, God desires obedience first over all other spiritual exercises. There is no one in God's word that God used greatly that was not simply obedient. There's not one person that God used mightily, that didn't do something just as simple as obedience. So let us see. Rebellion leads to spiritual confusion and destruction. Rebellion leads to spiritual confusion and destruction. No matter on what level. So if we're talking level, our, our preconceived notion of rebellion to where it's like the biker dude with tattoos all over him and he's rebellious, or are we talking about a church member that sits in church every week and listens to Bible truth and does nothing with it and continually goes the direction that they desire to go, on any level, it leads to confusion and destruction. It says, in the same way drugs and alcohol take away our conscious ability to discern reality, so rebellion distorts and destroys spiritual reality. It's, it is sad. Sometimes we do find it funny. Sometimes this whole TV show's put around what people do when they're under the influence of whether drugs or alcohol. There's people that have climbed light poles 
and tried to jump off of them because they believed they could fly because they were under the influence. Now, all of us sitting here in this room with our right minds would say, of course, it makes no sense to climb to the top of a light pole, jump off, and believe that you could fly because you cannot. People drive off cliffs. People do all kinds of crazy things under the influence of things. The same thing happens with rebellion because when we're rebellious, it distorts every other thing that we see. When we're living in open sin, we always have the best rationalization of why we should be doing this. Hey, why are you watching that on the internet? Well, let me give you a, a couple reasons. And we can come up with the best, most thought out, educated reasons why we are in open sin. Why? Because if we're all sitting around in a conversation, if I were to have the same conversation in here with, as a youth group and we were to sit around a uh, circle and we were to talk about the things we struggle with, every teenager would tell me, sitting in that room under those circumstances, well, I shouldn't do this, shouldn't do this, shouldn't do this, shouldn't do this. Why? Because, well, because they'll destroy my life because I'll get ruined. But as soon as rebellion kicks in and I desire to do something, all that clear thinking goes out the window. Like, well, this is what I want to do. We talked about it on Wednesday night, how um, God commands us to be holy as he is holy. Just the word command sometimes makes us sad. I told the teens, I was like, if you were hungry and dying of hunger and I said, I command you to eat this, some of you would say, I'm not eating. You would starve it because I don't want anybody to demand me to do anything. And that's the way we are sometimes when it comes to when our rebellion. We, it distorts everything that we do. Look at Pharaoh and the, children of, and the children of Israel. Classic story of totally distorted views. Pharaoh let the people go. No, I will not let the people go. All the water turns to blood. Fish are dying. We have nothing to drink. Bring my magicians in here. I can do that same thing. Give me some fresh water. Poof, we turn that into blood. Pharaoh, but we don't have anything to drink. Why are we trying to prove to Moses that we can make water into blood? It's because rebellion. I'm going to tell you that I can do what I want. Let my people go. All right, all right, get rid of the blood and we'll do that. Moses, I mean, Moses says to Pharaoh, let my people go. No, I'm not going to let you drink. Frogs everywhere. Hey, bring my magicians in here. Make more frogs. They're already in everything we're eating, they're in everything we're doing, but make more because I want to prove to Moses that we can make more frogs. And the cycle just goes on and on. Flies. Hey, bring out my magicians. Make more flies because I want to show Moses what I can do. And if we're not careful, especially as teenagers, we can make some of the dumbest decisions in our lives because we're distorted by rebellion. There are young people who have gotten married to people just simply because they wanted to fight their mom and dad. Now, sitting in this, in this room with this conversation, we'd all say, that's the dumbest thing in the world. But when rebellion kicks in, I've, I'll show them. They can't tell me who I'm going to date. They can't tell me who I'm going to marry. And we go through. But sometimes it even transfers to adulthood. The pastor says such, such and such from the pulpit. Pastor Ferguson is preaching straight Bible. I mean, he's not going off in rat trails, not stretching anything, just, well, I'm going to tell you 500 reasons why that does not apply to me and my family. I can tell you that this is, this is the reason why, because our family, well, we're different. 
and rebellion distorts every view from there. So you say, well, why would a family pull themselves out of a good local church, a good Christ-loving body, and go on their own? Why? Because rebellion kicks in and I get distorted about everything. And you know what? They're just out to get me. They just want to destroy my family when no, no one has every desire but to love your family and to bring your family closer and try to help them walk with the Lord. But rebellion distorts every single thing that we do. But yet, it's so subtle that we just keep walking around. Because even now, we can be talking about it, and we're even talking about it. We can have things in our mind that says, you know what? That's not me and my family. We don't struggle like that. We don't have any problems. Because rebellion distorts everything, and it leads to a destructive path. As the same way a guy will jump off a light pole and believe he can fly, ultimately, he's not going to bounce up, fall on the ground, bounce up because he was mistaken, he just made a mistake, he's going to splat onto the cement and probably have to call 911 if he even makes it. Same thing happens with our families. Just because we try to distort it by rebellion and say, you know what, I'm going to do this anyway, we're going to lead down a destructive path because that is what rebellion brings. So as we look at, as we go, move towards obedience in just a second, we do look at Saul. Saul thinks, man, I am doing the best that I can. I thought this is a great idea, but it clearly violated scripture. If there's anything in our lives that we do that, but we look at Saul like he's some heathen. Oh, I can't believe, well, how in the world? God specifically told Saul, don't do that. But in many cases in our lives, in Aaron Burns' life, God says, don't do this. And I, in rebellion, not in a shake my fist out of God, just Aaron Burns desires to do the things the way Aaron Burns desires to do. And that's going to always lead to destruction. So let's go on to it. The right response to godly authority. So remember, godly authority is still a good thing. Now, last week we did talk about how there are situations where people forfeit authority. We talked about how there are parents that leave families and homes, and they forfeit their authority and their influence in a family, or whether it be a government official, and they forfeit their ability to, to lead in a certain way and their influence. But as a whole, authority is a good thing, and godly authority is what we need, and so the right response to it is obedience. Hey, a right response begins with honor. Exodus 20, 12. We'll see it again in just a little bit, but it says, honor thy father and thy mother. You can obey without honoring, but you cannot honor without obeying. You can obey without honoring, but you cannot honor without obeying. Now, we know the simple illustration all the time that's used all all the time when people are preaching, well, you can do something in obedience and do it with a bad attitude. I don't want to do that, but I'm going to do it anyway. Right response to authority is to honor authority. Now, as we look at this from a teenage perspective, it's, it's like, well, I understand that I need to honor my father and mother, but it goes so much higher than this because as parents, we exemplify what it means to honor authority. So, like I said last week, if I'm always criticizing the authority God has put over me, and then I tell my, my children, well, submit to me because I'm an authority, then there's a disconnect. Now, your kids are not sitting there writing a dissertation about the, oh, well, I see that mom doesn't like authority, but she expects me to. But in their mind, it is, in the back of their mind, hey, they don't respect any authority they do, they have. My dad always talks about how terrible his boss is at work and how he's an idiot. He's filling the blanks of all the things that he is. Now, when you go to tell your son or daughter, you know what they're going to think in their mind? Well, dad 
has good reasons why his authority is not right. Well, you know what? In my mind, I have good reason why my mom and dad are not correct. I have, I have information they do not know. If they only really knew this friend, then that's why, you know what? I'm not going to submit to authority. So it goes so much farther than just a young person responding, even though we'll get there in just a second. It comes to us as authority to respond to the authority above us. I can't expect the teenagers to respect Pastor Ferguson if when we walk through those doors and we come in the youth room that Aaron Burden makes jokes about Pastor Ferguson, talks about how terrible Pastor Ferguson is, or if Pastor Ferguson would only get there, and then to expect them to walk out and sing the praises of Pastor Ferguson, the authority that God has put in their life as a pastor, would be ridiculous. The same thing for me to be a parent and to chew down authority and then expect that my kids are all of a sudden just going to think, wow, authority is such a wonderful thing. It's just God's ordained this so well and how authority works because it doesn't happen. But then it comes down to the teenage level. Even when authority is not what they ought to be, God has put it in your lap to honor them anyway. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment was promised, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. Now, I don't know if that's live long because your parents are going to kill you. If you don't, or if that's live long because God's going to give you longer life. But either way, it's a good thing to honor your father and your mother. Well, my mom and dad have problems with this. You have problems with this. We all have problems. Like that is the, If we haven't learned this fundamental thing, no matter who you are, you have problems, you have things you struggle with, and you are not perfect. So to look at everyone else and to tell them how they are doing it wrong helps nothing. So I am to honor the authority that God has given me. But, but, but you don't understand. My dad. God's an honor them. And that is not just obeying them. That is in your heart desiring to do what is right, the great spirit, because of the authority that God has given you. But I don't understand. that, like I said last week, you honor them, and then you sit down in a respectful manner and say, why? Mom and dad, why? Because I can guarantee you, no parent wants to answer this. Why? But I bet you parents will be able to answer, mom, dad, why, why do you want it that way? You look at Daniel, Daniel right before he goes to the lion's den. When Daniel says, I am, he purposed in his heart that he would not eat the king's meat. Daniel goes to the leader of the eunuchs there, and he does not say, I will not eat this food. So you better, might as well get it out of my face. I am a Jew. We don't eat this. Get that away. He goes to him and says, sir, as a Jew, I cannot eat this. But if you would, and he comes up with a, a solution, he says, if you would just try us, give us 10 days to eat this way and see, and see if you could please see if this would work for us not to have to eat this meat because Daniel purposes are, he purposes are, he wasn't going to do it. But he came to honor his authority and said, hey, is there any way we can do this? And I can guarantee you, a parent will respond to that versus, I don't care what you say. And then expect them to come back with a good answer and say, well, son, Let's sit down and talk about that. That's not what happens because we are human and we have difficulties. So you get mad, mom and dad get mad, everybody gets mad. The house is just a wonderful place to be right then. And we think, well, they're just rebellious. Yeah, but it works in so many different ways that we have to watch in our lives 
and make sure that we're honoring our authority. Letter B. A right response involves surrender and submission to God first and human authority second. A right response involves surrender and submission to God first and human authority second. Ephesians 5.21, submitting yourself to one to another in the fear of God. Here's another key to the whole thing. Secondly, when it comes to obedience, I have to recognize that my obedience to authority is first obedience to God and then is obedience to the authority God's given me here. So we'll just throw, not because we're preaching at wise here, I'm just going to use this illustration. A wife could submit to a husband who is imperfect and not desiring to do what God wants to do for the simple fact does she loves God. Because the Bible talks about what if a wife has an, a husband that is not saved. And God says in his word that through her conversation, her behavior, how she honors him, that husband can be won by the conversation of his wife. So how, do, how, how would you do that? How does that work? Like, he is a jerk. He is a dirtbag. But I want to honor my God first. And by honoring God first, I can win the heart of a husband. So, teenager, when you think, God has put me in this situation, and how in the world that doesn't make any sense, how am I supposed to do it? Because you're going to do it because you want to love your God. And by doing that, I can obey in perfect authority. Well, the government is blah. But if I want to love my God and be the testimony of those around us, I can handle some things that, you know what, they don't really make sense to me in the situation that I'm in. So it comes to where right response involves surrender and submission to God first and authority second. The problem is we have too much pride in most, multiple areas in our lives. Well, I, I'm telling you, I am not going to do that. My mom and dad said, but I'm telling you, I will not. Or I will. I'm, I'm going to get there. I'm going to find a way that I can do this. You know what it is? It's pride. I don't want to surrender. I will make my mom and dad's life miserable if they think that I'm going to do that. Yeah, I'll obey. But I'm going to leave a train wreck behind me of all things that I'm going to destroy because I want my way. That's not the response. The response is, I am going to honor my heavenly father and in turn honoring my heavenly father, I will naturally honor my father and mother on an earthly standpoint. The same thing with us as adults as we look at where the authority of God has put in our lives. Yeah, I can have authority in my life that is terrible. It doesn't make any sense. Why in the world are we doing this? I remember when I worked at Honda, one of the things that we had to do, they came up toward the end of when I was working there, they told us we had to sell this engine additive that Honda clearly in the manual says, do not add to your vehicle. Like, I mean, I can take you to the manual and say, like, this is not something you should put in your vehicle. But they said, the owner of this company owns this company too, so he said, you need to sell this stuff. And I remember, like, having to go to people and say, and I, the Lord, give me grace the way I could maneuver this and obey both authorities. But you know what? God had put authority in my life and said, you need to do this. Now, I can walk away from my job, but I have a family to feed. So I said, and I would go through and I would, gracefully say the, the things, and then I would say, but you might want to consult your owner manual page such and such, because 
just to make sure that that's something that you should put into your vehicle. But God put me in authority to say, this is what you have to do. But you know what? I have to honor them because that's authority. God's put authority. Hey, they're not right. I know. But God has still told me to respond to the authority that he's given me. So the right response involves surrender and submission to God first and a human authority second. See, a right response is obedience. Now, this is, I know this is classic Ephesians 6, 1. You've been seeing it since you were in kindergarten. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And every parent loves to hear their kids quote this verse. But then when we actually live our lives, this verse and our lives do not connect somewhere. Like, we know it. But somewhere in the conjunction of application and knowledge, we're, we're missing something here. So this is just as simple bottom line as it can be. A right response is obedience. In every situation, when God gives me authority, that does not violate clear biblical principles. Now, I say this. If, somebody tell, if your parents tell you to go and buy alcohol, it violates the law. It violates biblical principle. It violates a lot of things. But if you have authority that tells you to do something that goes along with and you can honor the Lord, obedience is the right way. And this is the key because God will never Ever, you can write it down in stone. He will never use a person who is not obedient. And that's the right reason I believe that we struggle with trying to find people to go on to the mission field, to serve in certain places. Now, God hasn't called everybody to be missionaries, so I'm not trying to say that. But what I am saying is when we don't stress obedience being the key there, God can't do anything if I'm not willing to obey. Hey, I desire you to go, I don't want to. This is what I want to do. And this is the generation that we live in. We live in a generation of people that I don't feel like going to church, so I'm not. I don't want to get up that early to go to work, so I'm not. Obedience is just a simple thing, but it does everything in life for what God can use you for. God can't do diddly squat with your life if you're not willing to be obedient. And it comes back to all the things that we go, obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. Doing exactly what the Lord commands and doing it happily. Action is the key, do it immediately to show that you believe. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. This is base, line, but we struggle with it. And so we're, while we're trying to get on our scuba gear and go deep into the word of God, we have to get to the part where God gives me clear biblical truth, and I obey that. God says, this is how you should act. This is how I'm going to determine that I'm going to react. God said, this is what you should do in your life and your family. This is what I'm going to do in my life and my family. Hey, don't, don't get your scuba gear on too far and go too deep until we start getting the, the basic things that God has called us to do. So as we look at it, authority is a good thing. The wrong response to any authority is always rebellion. Rebellion is a wrong response. It is not something that naturally, well, it is something that happens naturally because of our flesh. But it is not something that every teenager should have to, well, when they turn 13, we're going to have to have this rebellion battle. I don't believe that to be the case. I believe that the Bible says that rebellion is in all of us. And so it's not just because you turn 13 that the, the rebellion is a thing. The thing is, we are sinful people, and now your kids are big enough to actually show you how sinful they really are and to be able to do a lot more things with that. So when we look at rebellion, it's always the wrong response. Obedience is always the right response to authority. So let's pray, and we'll be dismissed. The only Father, God, we thank you so much, Lord, for our study this week. Lord, I thank you for Brother Schmidt, Lord, and him. Lord, 
with your help, writing down a book that could help us as families. God, I pray, first of all, for my family, God, that I would be the, uh, Lord, the authority and respond to your authority, Lord, as I should, and Lord, the authority that you put in my life. And Lord, I pray that for every man, and Lord, every father in here, Lord, every young man, that we would be what you call us to be. And Lord, for all of us who are under authority, God, help us, Lord, to follow that authority, to honor that authority, Lord, as it is to you. And Lord, I know that, God, we do have people in our lives and situations in our lives, Lord, that we don't understand. Lord, would you please give us the grace and the strength and the wisdom to know exactly how we should handle these things. God, we need, we need your help so badly in these areas because, Lord, we're, we ultimately, Lord, myself included, are rebellious people, and, Lord, I ask your forgiveness for that, and I ask that you would please help us, Lord, to move past this, Lord, and to desire to love you and desire to worship you, and in those cases, Lord, to move that forward through all areas of my life. Help us this morning, God. Help us as uh, Pastor Ferguson preaches in the next service that you'd give him power, you'd work in his life, and, Lord, help us all as families, and we'll thank you for all that you'll do in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.